You are now tuning in to the Own the Build podcast. Join Sealing's very own Paul Hemming, where each week he interviews experts from the world of construction and asks all the important questions around intelligent construction management. Hello and welcome to episode 70. We made it of the Own the Build podcast with me, Paul Hemming. Thank you to everyone who has left us a review recently for the show on Apple Podcasts. I wholeheartedly appreciate it, so everyone else needs to do it as well. If I can't convince you, just let it be known that my producer, Umar, my good mate, will be very pleased as well. So please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. The title of today's show is a really important topic, and it's a really um, interesting topic that I'm looking forward to learning more about. So it's the importance of talking about mental health with mates, and we welcome to the show today Sarah Meek, who is Managing Director at Mates in Mind, who are a leading UK charity raising awareness and addressing the stigma of poor mental health with a particular focus on our lovely industry, construction. How are you, Sarah? I'm very well, thank you, Paul. You're always smiling whenever I see you, Sarah, from ear to ear. Indeed. Well, there's a lot to be uh, happy about. And You're on Own the Build, number one. Indeed. And every new day is a new day. So uh, we just keep going. Absolutely. Absolutely. And your your son is very impressed that you are on a podcast today, I hear. <laughs> he is. He's very impressed. Um, yes, I've suddenly gone up in the mum rankings. Um, so I've Congrats. now I've written, I've written a blog and now I'm on a podcast. So uh, oh, yes. you've nailed it. Hopefully some good mum points there. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I feel like today's episode is particularly apt. We're actually recording the show in the middle of Mental Health Awareness Week. More luck than judgment on my part, that is, but I'm going to roll with it anyway. What does that mean to you this week? Has it been a busy week for you, Sarah? It is a busy week. Certainly, we've been invited along to uh, you know a number of events that our supporters, our mates and mine supporters, have been putting on this week. It can be you know on Monday we were on um, a webinar with one of the big construction companies, and they were talking to their staff about what loneliness, because that's the theme this year, is loneliness um, around mental health and what that actually means, and and the different aspects that loneliness can bring. And then we also have, you know, things we have to write about. We've got media who are interested in what we do um, and great social media coverage as well of, of, you know, some of those that we work with who are championing, you know, the the relationship they've got with Mates in Mind, which is great. Amazing. So it's just a, a really good way to spotlight and give focus to the charity and all the good work that you guys are doing. Absolutely. Yes. And for, to really signpost for people who, you know, obviously it's not just a, a week um, in the year, some some you know, people struggle throughout the whole year. So therefore, it's, you know, it's a really good opportunity to signpost so that for those who are struggling right now or might do in the future, they know where to turn. Amazing. Well, I feel like I have jumped a little bit ahead, actually, because I haven't even really asked you to introduce yourself and what Mates in Mind is, what you guys do. So for everybody listening, tell us a little bit about yourself first and then about the charity that you've won. So I have been involved with the Mates in Mind charity for a year. Previous to that, I've worked for 25 years in the NHS. I started off as a physiotherapist um, and I ended up managing an A&E department. Through all of that, I've seen you know people struggling with mental health. And 
you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't discriminate, um, you know, regardless of, you know, your background, your age, your, you know, your job role, etc. It can really affect everybody. I then came out of the NHS and went to work at a military veterans charity, where again, we were, you know, really supporting people with PTSD and, and physical health conditions. And then I, I went to work at a, a national relationships charity, where again, you know, people facing you know a complex range of issues that can then spill over into relationship difficulties so there has been a common theme throughout um which brought me to mates in mind and mates in mind has been going for five years it was set up by the health and construction leadership group in response to the dreadful statistics around mental health in the construction industry and was set up to help businesses uh work through improving the mental health of their workforce and their workplaces and changing the culture. And so, probably going to misquote some of the statistics here, but is it something like one construction worker every day is lost to suicide? Sadly, we need to go up on that by 100%. It's two construction workers every day throughout England um, and Wales. And yes, you are 3.7 times more likely to be challenged with mental health difficulties working in construction. And that increases the further down the supply chain you go. So when you get to sort of the sole traders who are perhaps the plasterers, the electricians, um, you know, doing the second fix, etc., that is where we start to really see it hit home. So it's it's not a great statistic and it's certainly something we need to do more about. It's horrible, hor- horrible statistic, isn't it? I mean, your, your experience took you from the NHS into different charities, including one with the military. Construction sounds to me like it is one of the industries which is worst affected by mental health issues. Obviously, that's a pretty harrowing statistic. When you were not in and around the construction space, is was that something that you were aware of? Is that common knowledge? Or No, I don't think it is. Um, I think it's, you know, when it comes to what surprises me, for example, in my role, that is always the thing. Whenever I share that information, you know, if it's the start of a presentation or someone asks what I do, that is always the shocking statistic that makes people sit up and listen and think why. There was a fundraising day that was being held for us last Friday. It was in a completely different sector compared to uh, construction, and they had absolutely no idea no idea um, about that and you know this is where we need to do more about raising that awareness piece it's not to say it's exclusive within um, construction but certainly you know we have a very male dominated workforce who work away from home in isolation financial pressures in the pandemic certainly hasn't helped and therefore you know whilst we're predominantly focused on construction transport and logistics it's you know it is prevalent throughout a number of sectors and you've kind of to some degree there touched on why the working away the cash flow constraints and struggles challenges what are the reasons to you as a bit of an outsider coming in that makes construction stand out to you as a potentially vulnerable industry to this thing they're not knowing where your next job might be coming from. So you're therefore you're not in control of it necessarily. Working within different teams a lot of the time, working in sometimes substandard conditions. Um, you know, it's not the home that you, and the home and being away from family and loved ones. Sometimes people go down the, um, the socialising aspect of alcohol 
or gambling or you know that can take us down a, a darker path as well which can lead to extra stresses and strains we also have when we start to get very worried about things insomnia starts to kick in um you know worrying about the fact for example you might have priced a job up but actually now through the pandemic can you get the supplies can you get them at the price that you had um, previously agreed for them and if you then do speak out about it are you going to be seen as um, the first one who goes off the job you know does it affect your career and does it stigmatize you as being you know a bit different in the organization and certainly having spoken to a lot of people in construction it's that fear of what others might think or we don't talk about it or for example um i think it it's just the fact that there is sometimes a cultural difference between perhaps an older style of management where you just get on with it versus actually being a little bit more open about how you're feeling and sort of line managing somebody who has differing needs different um you know challenges and is that then you know the management in construction generally is kind of considered to be maybe that's a sweeping statement you know like old gruff blokes <laughs> kind of thing because you kind of talked about sole traders there being very vulnerable but then now you're talking about management and how people can be managed and you can spot these issues but how can you manage differently how are you how are you explaining these things to people so you know for example sole traders might not necessarily they by virtue of their employment uh, contract might not have access necessarily to the same employee assistance programs or hr support that others um who are on employed status might have some management might have progressed through the ranks based on technical ability but not necessarily have had the, the the softer skills in terms of people management and so what we will do is when we're working with supporters is to do some management training some do some wider awareness um training with the with the whole team about how to spot the signs and symptoms of somebody who is starting to to feel stressed and sometimes that actually resonates with those in the group to think oh actually that is what i'm feeling and i hadn't recognized that as stress and it's a combination of things we have to reach out to people in as many different ways as we can and they will then find the way that they feel is most applicable to them what we've often seen is for example mental health first aiders have become you know quite widespread but not everybody feels comfortable talking to a mental health first aider in their organization on a face-to-face basis that's a very public way to 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 identify that you have Put an yourself issue. out there yeah absolutely and then you know again having spoken to people it then becomes that slight worry about well are they going to tell somebody about me does that limit my career etc and does that make me different so we we just encourage people to really look out for each other to have those open conversations and to you know really ask twice you know are you okay and how are you you know that kind of approach because people will always brush off with the i'm fine um well we just we we ask we ask how are you how are you mate as yeah. a way of uh saying hello don't we we don't really yes. like in normal circumstances we don't really want anyone to tell us how they are do that we just want Not to say yeah no right. it's because, like that's so understood because also 
somebody doesn't necessarily want to ask that question because they don't know how to then deal with any, with the answer. Um, and that's where we, you know, we really help and, and support those teams to to know how to open that conversation, then what to do if you're told something as well. Okay, yeah, you know, these this 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 topic is something which is very close to my heart personally. Um, someone very close to me had a pretty close brush with um, suicide a few years ago, actually just before the pandemic, which was very close to me, and it was a uh, highly difficult uh, situation. Thankfully, they came they came through it. But is there a personal story to you, or a personal story to mates in mind, which led to its formation that we can talk about? Yeah, I mean, the actual charity was obviously set up because of the statistics, etc. But we have been very close to a family and Michelle has recently became become our first patron. I saw um, that, yeah. Yeah, Michelle's husband, Chris, had worked in the industry for 30 years um, as a, you know, as a senior manager working in construction. And unfortunately, work-related stress became very quickly taking him to a, you know, a very dark place um, and he did take his own life and working very closely with Michelle um, and their family to tell his story to raise awareness of it and working very closely with Michelle to make sure that others are aware that a work-related stress is something that people need to be talking about um, in the in the workplace and, and with their line managers etc but to also know that something can be done about it um, so is, is, is the challenge there that um, Michelle's husband wasn't expressing to Michelle and to his family the pressure that he was under he was just bottling it up or he was he was talking about it um, but he was talking about it quite late on in his mental health state and it, it, it was something that um, happened very, very quickly. Hmm. Okay. Now it's uh, all these. It, it, it's it's amazing, really, isn't it? You know, again, drawing on my my own experience. Uh, thankfully, the person close to me is someone who was always open to conversation. Um, but I do know of people who it doesn't come as uh, second nature to be able to explain uh, it, to a lot of men to be honest with you full stop myself included most of the time um to actually be able to explain how you feel in a situation you uh, thinking about it and thinking about it so much putting further and further weight onto yourself effectively but the the strategies that you guys talk about are sharing or can you talk to us about that yeah so it's it's taking smaller groups of people within the team and actually just talking about mental health on a wider perspective what we then find is that the groups will open up and share because of the size of the group that it is. Um, and some will just sit back and listen and some will actually take a part. But, you know, it has to be something that is being discussed from, you know, from board to boots kind of thing. It, it, you know, it really has to be that it's a cultural piece. It's not somebody feeling, you know, special in any way that they are being singled out, that it really does become an open, honest and supportive place to be. What we see is, you know, we see really good pockets of, of where people have done excellent work, but it's not consistent across the industry. So therefore, the transient workforce who are going on between different sites, different, you know, projects, etc., they have to learn it all over again. What's what's going on in this site? Where do I go on this site? And, and that's that's where we hope to have some degree of consistency and approach um, so that preventative piece 
is so important and not just waiting for a crisis to happen before something is done about it. And, and for us, we're about the prevention. We know that there are lots of um, services available for the, for the crisis management, as I said, mental health first aid. Don't want um, to get there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Helplines, apps, things like that. They all have their place, but we can do so much beforehand. Okay. Okay. Well, it's really, really fascinating. And I want to talk to you more, Sarah, about this topic. But let's just take a little bit of a break here. Hello, it's me again. I wanted to share a quick story with you on why I co-founded Sealink with my best mate, Chris. Chris and I, we're both QSs, and this is going to sound sad, but one night we were sat in the pub talking about subcontract tendering and we realised the industry had a problem. Number one, procurement was too paper-based. Number two, it was too time-consuming and every QS had their own unique way of doing things. And number three, perhaps most importantly, if you want to competitively tender, you need to know hundreds of the best subcontractors. We simply didn't. That's why we created C-Link. It's software to solve subcontract tendering. We wanted to remove these challenges and help the industry get better. So if you or someone you know tenders with subcontractors, you've got to see our software. Head over to our link, www.get.c-link.com forward slash podcast to find out more. I will include it in the description box. So again, there's no excuses. Now, let's get right back to the show. Sarah, there's one question that I forgot to ask you, which I ask most of my guests. I forgot to ask you loads of questions actually at the top of the show. I just jumped straight into it. I was too excited. I always ask one question, which is, what is one common myth about your role that you want to debunk so what is one common myth about working for a charity that you want to debunk for our listeners working for a charity um we do something free of charge just because we're a charity but obviously we are we can only do things like that um and we can only give back in that way and that's absolutely where we want to be if people can do amazing fundraising for us or give us donations um and do crazy things you know jumping out of planes or football tournaments or playing golf or whatever we can do so much more if we have the funds available amazing okay cool well there you go and we will get to the funding a little bit later in the show we'll talk about that one one thing that has struck me about our conversation so far today and I am a, a champion of the SME here just generally on this show one thing that struck me is that you talked at the top of the show about the fact that sole traders and the further down the supply chain you go the higher the stress levels which resonates that makes perfect sense but it strikes me that perhaps the companies who are focused more on this or where these workshops are more available um, and where where the work that you are you work, where where your your message is resonating more are actually the bigger companies if that if that makes sense and we uh, we talk about a lot of things on the show where I always worry like the, the construction industry is 99% SMEs or something like that but there's this little bit at the top which is getting most of the tech most of the support and stuff like this and that's by no means suggesting what what you you are doing is is wrong far far from it but I'm just trying to understand how then as an SME or as that sole trader further down the supply chain, how can we help them? I think that's a really good point. Um, 
when we were undertaking our recent research with the SMEs, the hardest aspect was actually knowing where they were um, and how to reach them. So, you know, it's easy to know where the, the big tier one contractors are because they're very obvious. But for the for the million um, SMEs and sole traders, you know, we need to absolutely tap into where they come into, where they're having those contact points so that we can let them know what support is, there is available for them. Um, you know, we do have some limited uh, charitable funding available. We would very much like to engage with uh, with the SMEs and, and sole traders too, who don't have the luxury of having an HR department or an employee assistance program or, you know, the traditional health and safety teams that we would traditionally work with. But that's not to say that we can't support them in, in a smaller way and you know we're very keen to do that as well and, and certainly from a charity point of view you know from the message that comes through loud and clear from my trustees when I'm you know when I meet with them every month is what's the charitable giving back to the industry you know how many SMEs have we engaged with um, so that's absolutely key for us um, and if anybody is interested in, in le learning more then please do reach out to us. That's, that, that's amazing and that we have lots of SMEs listening. So hopefully that is a message that will come through. You talked about your SME research there. What, what did that entail? The, we received, it was a questionnaire-based survey um, and then it was followed up with some one-to-one -one interviews um, with those who expressed... So you did find to... some SMEs? We did find some. We found about 300 of them, um, which, oh, given, the num bad. given the number, we'd love to have had more, but, um, you know, as I said, it's difficult to find them. So it was a questionnaire-based service around, um, you know, finding out what their mental health needs were, what their pressures are, and then sort of for us then tailoring our levels of support according to what those research findings were. What we found, you know, is that a third of people um, working in SMEs and, and sole traders are now uh, suffering with severe levels of anxiety. And that was um, on, you know, a number of, of academically no researched um, surveys. So it's, severe it's, it's anxiety. It's interesting that, isn't it? Because mm. you'd imagine that the level of honesty on an anonymous questionnaire is pretty high versus, you know, talking to your mate in the pub or talking one on one with someone. And did you say a third? A third. A third of people um, with severe anxiety. Yeah. So it's scary, isn't it? Really scary. Really scary stuff. Um, and it's something that, you know, we we didn't anticipate that. What we also found is that, you know, that the levels of dependency on alcohol non-prescription drug use have gone up and that their their um, support mechanisms are such that they're not talking to their gps about it they are talking to friends and family i think it was something like 80 percent i think the category was wouldn't dare talk to a line manager about their um, about their struggles so um you know we still know we've got very much more to do on that i mean that 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 feels like something that I would definitely have answered in, in my past. I've worked at big and small companies in the past and there's a couple of line managers who I had a lot of respect for um, but I don't think that there is necessarily one that I'd have thought if I have problems of this nature that I would feel comfortable going to speak to them about and I don't think that there is that many people who would. It's a pretty amazing line manager if you have that level of relationship with them. Mm -hmm. 
you know, um, also what we found is that people were a lot more willing to offer support to others than to actually take support for themselves. Um, you know, oh, I'd be an expert at that. <laughs> I'd be really, I'd be great for that. Yeah. Help seeking, you know, for on an individual basis wasn't great, but has absolutely a wealth of um, knowledge and support for others. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It was, funny that, isn't it? Yeah, it is funny. Um, but again, you know, things like if we know that those those facts and those figures are there within construction, when somebody does have a touch point with their GP, for example, or any um, any NHS services, perhaps they should be more proactive in actually asking, "How are you?" Because it's the GPs, more, you mean exactly because it's more likely that somebody is going to be having some degree of mental health challenge. Um, and one in know, one in three people in yeah. construction SMEs, yeah, absolutely. And you know, and ask that question proactively. Um, you know, everybody has a flu jab every year. We're all having, you know, the COVID vaccinations. Ask somebody how they are. Um, but then, how it, does how so do, how does your research then filter back the other way to mm. the medical practice? Is that something that then is is happening as well as a result? Um, of all of this? So yeah, at the moment, I think our um, we're just in the final stages of our uh, report um, and just collating the last bits of the interviews. And some of that will absolutely feature in terms of recommendations and what how can we link with primary care? How can we link with the NHS to make this more joined up? Because again, we know that that there is the five top killers of you know of, of men. Unfortunately, are going mental health is one of them. Um, testicular cancer, lung cancer. You know, I can I can go on and, and list all five, but I certainly think we have a lot more to to do to link up with with GPs and the NHS on this. You know, sometimes I I, I genuinely despair a little bit about the state of construction. Sometimes I'm uber positive. Sometimes I. I just almost can't see the wood through the trees with just the nature of our industry and the way it is and how fragmented and you've got these tiny, tiny sole traders versus these massive entities where there's lots of money uh, or more money. Are you positive about it? I am positive and I have, you know, there are... That's a big, deep breath. No, there are things every week that give me give me hope um, and really impress me about how far we've got but then we take a step back and we look at the size of the pie and realize that actually you know for every small victory we have that's great but the pie is enormous and you know we we have got so much to do here and it it, it becomes you know I was at UK Construction Week last week um I was listening to a presentation around the culture change that's needed in construction and it was all very much around um you know net zero emissions and carbon and sustainability and it was only one person George Clark who actually mentioned the mental health crisis within construction and you know for everybody who was up on that panel and everybody up on that stage why is mental health such an issue that's just pushed further down the line because without people wanting a to enter the industry um staying in the industry you know the apprentices of the future who are the line managers and the business managers of of the business owners of the future if it's not a if it's not an industry people want to come in stay in you know what's going to happen um well with statistics like the ones that you've just mentioned it doesn't strike you as the most appealing industry to rush into does it no and we're doing a lot around you know as mates in mind we're doing a lot with colleges um with uh, who've got courses running in construction, apprentices going on to site. 
we had done some research previously um, and have rolled out a programme which is very much embedding it within the curriculum and particularly over the past two years. You know, we've got a lost generation who've lost the last two years of their education. So in terms of them being rounded and ready to go into industry, we know that we've got a lot to do there. Um, but again, you know, we've got a programme available and you know we're fortunate that some uh, we get some corporate sponsorship for running those courses but for us it's it's you know really making sure that mental health we're tackling it from within the industry as it stands at the moment and from the top down but also for the new entrants coming through as well and so tell us about the ambitions that you have for the charity what we can do to support you in those ambitions yeah ambitions um i think it's it's really making people aware the, of the responsibility that we have for everybody you know for looking out for the people left and right of you um back in front of you you know making sure that we know how to spot the signs of somebody who is starting to experience levels of stress or that their their health is being affected in that way um, and that can be in all different shapes and forms it, it doesn't always mean they become withdrawn part of the awareness that we do is spotting those signs who are different in everybody and you know, it, it's really trying to reach as many people within the uh, construction industry as we can throughout the whole supply chain. And for people who are interested, please reach out and, and get in touch with us. Um, if anybody is interested in doing any fundraising pieces for us, you know, that's amazing as well. And we, we've um, Where could, So I'll, I'll obviously share um, mm, details of the website and so on in the podcast you. description. Where's the best place to go if somebody wants to um, donate? We've got something via on our webpage, and uh, that we've got a donate button on there, um, and that would be amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will. I will share that. And I guess a, f- a final question, and it's not an easy question. Maybe it is an easy question for someone like you, Sarah. But you know, if if somebody is listening to this, what's like the one bit of advice you would want people to kind of take away from this to impact people around them, their business, and just the industry generally? I think it it very much comes down to that prevention piece that we can do a lot um, and you know we can absolutely put in steps to support a, a workplace or a project and to ask twice you know really make sure that we keep talking um, and keep offering people the opportunity to open up to share and spot the signs in others we spend so much time looking at our phones and looking down that sometimes we don't look up and around us to actually appreciate what's going on in other people's work and life. That is fantastic advice, Sarah. And it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for what you are doing for everyone around us in the industry, people listening. It's uh, really greatly appreciated. And um, thank you for coming on the show, of course. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolute pleasure. And guys, I will be back next week. I will speak to you all then. Have a good week. Bye-bye.